Welcome to our Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, or CICP, mini-series. And as uh, really with everything you start, you always go to the person uh, who can give you that best overview, that uh, really best way to tee it off. And we are very happy to have with us today David Johnson. David is the uh, Chief Executive Officer of CICP. And David, uh, welcome. Great to see you. Gary, thank you. Great to be with you today. All right. You've had uh, quite a career and uh, certainly deserve a lot of credit for initiating and being a part of some really important, significant uh, projects. Uh, but first of all, let's ca- kind of get back to, to ground zero, uh, the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership. Give us uh, just a thumbnail, uh, a little history of this organization. What's it about? Because it, it really has evolved into something very powerful. So, yeah, sure, Gary. Uh, Central Indiana Corporate Partnership is now exactly 20 years old, uh, which is a which is a long time for something like this. Uh, and it's gotten to be a whole lot larger and better organization over its 20 years. It was started at the, in, the, in the late 90s after Central Indiana and Indianapolis had scored the ultimate victory in getting in, in its sports strategy and getting the NCAA to move here, which is one of the great mm-hmm. things of all time. Uh, and the NCAA is a, has been a Wonderful corporate citizen, all the promises that we that we hoped for in that, in, in all the Final Fours and all of the things that they would do, plus just all of the, the, the wonderful things that they do as corporate citizens here have, have totally uh, worked out. Mm-hmm. But when they came, if you think about it, after, you know, we'd, we'd gotten the Colts, uh, some would say stolen the Colts from Baltimore, <laughs> right, right. Uh, after we had attracted all of the amateur athletic associations, including groups like the National Rowing Association, which even though Indianapolis is the largest city in the world, not on a navigable body of water, <laughs> somehow we were able through just, you know, sheer determination to make that happen. It, what were we going to do next for a strategy around sports? And the answer was, we need a we need a, a different strategy. It's sort of like if you think of music with Nashville. It's absolutely something you have to have. It's cool. It gives definition and and, and it really defines the culture in a lot of ways and stuff we're really good at in terms of the events of it. But in terms of a strategy that would put people to work and really employ them in the jobs of the 21st century, the hospitality business has its limits. And certainly, no one had ever really looked at what is the next step? What's the strategy going forward? Mm -hmm. So what happened at that point was something that rarely happens in any community. And and, uh, Bruce Katz and Jeremy Nowak wrote a book a couple years ago called The New Localism that does a lovely job of telling the story. It's well well worth looking at. Um, What happened was that at that time there was a corporate community council in this, in, in this, and there are many cities have these. It was supposed to be a collection of the major business leaders here who would get together and develop business strategy and, and policy strategy. But at this point, it had kind of atrophied as an organization. It, 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 the CEOs never came to the meetings or rarely came. So it was relatively junior people in organizations that didn't have a whole lot of decision making or investment power. And the feeling was somebody needs to be in the room thinking about where do we place our next next bets? Where do we where do we where do we really put our money? In the same way we've put it into bringing the NCA here, what's next? What's mm-hmm. the strategy? And given the fact these strategies are expensive, we can't have you know a million of them. So we need to have two or three that really make sense. And so the corporate community council actually was disbanded voluntarily at this time uh, by sort of collective action of a number of the CEOs here. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, then then known as Bank One, took a huge role in that. Sally Rowland uh, did. There's, there's some real heroes to this story. Clay Robbins at Lilly Endowment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put CICP together with the notion that it would be a CEO-only organization. It would be large enough to capture 
the, the sort of the critical mass of, of business leadership here. Central Indiana would be really broadly defined to go as far north as West Lafayette and as far south as Bloomington because universities at that time, it's funny to think about this today, but in the late 90s, people were only beginning to understand what universities as economic assets could do mm -hmm. and what economic development could be from, from technology transfer, from company startups. Universities, I mean, Purdue was just starting, and IU really were just starting to have policies to do things like that. But the feeling was they needed the, the leadership of the universities on the board, and it would be all presidents, CEOs, and foundation executives. Mm -hmm. No surrogates, no delegates, no substitutes. So if you weren't, if you, the CEO, weren't in the room, your organization was not in the room. And that, that principle actually remains the guiding light for CICP today. It sounds really easy. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, these are all really busy people. So we, we have a, a minimum number of meetings, and we try to keep everything and manageable amount of time for them. But it makes a qualitative difference to have that group of people at the table. So CICP has really evolved. Yeah. Uh, so the initial yeah. vision was not to have these uh, these really important initiatives and organizations under the CICP umbrella. Correct. Yeah. I mean, two, two, th two things happened, Gary, that happened in the life of any organization. First of all, the initial strategy never quite turns out the way you think. So, so the idea was to bring all of these CEOs together and then to go out and hire a CEO who also had been a CEO of something else. So David Goodrich was actually the first CEO of CICP, and he'd run the Collier's uh, Real Estate Group here, the corporate group here. And, and the idea was that that person would then sit with the leaders of CICP. They would devise sort of what the strategy priorities were. And the CEO's job would be then to go over to the state house mm -hmm. and meet with the governor's office and legislators and see if the state, how many of, the, of those priorities the state could enact. David did a nice job of going over to the state house, but it, ra it readily became clear that economic development is a whole lot more complicated than that. And, and to try to figure out for all of the investments that needed to be made, the talent that needed to be attracted, there's just a number of things that don't lend themselves well to a purely legislative strategy at mm -hmm. all. Um, and so the second thing that happens in the life of any organization when your first strategy doesn't quite make sense is you hire a consultant. And so at that time, uh, Battelle te uh, Technology Partnership Practice, mm -hmm. today known as Techonomy Partners, and you've had, you've, you've had them frequently on your show. Uh, same, same team, by the way. They've been, they've been around for a long time. They're really good. And they, they were doing a number of analyses of regional and metropolitan areas around the country and states to try to figure out what their next strategies were. And again, this sounds weird to talk about this today. Clusters were just becoming sort of the notion that you needed to look at, rather than doing traditional economic development, where you went out and tried to get something new to come here, like mm -hmm. I worked on as a lawyer in the 90s trying to get United Airlines to, to mm -hmm. come to Indiana and yep. open an aircraft maintenance business, which they did. But historically, we didn't do that kind of work. Well. In the, in the 2000s, the idea was, what kind of work do you actually already do, like pharmaceuticals, like advanced manufacturing, like logistics, and how do we, how do we, how do we make more of that happen here? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, by attracting some companies from the outside, but also by putting more into the ones we have, by giving them more investment, by getting them more talent. And I'm not talking about corporate welfare. I'm talking about strategic opportunities for 
people in the same industries to come together and really figure out what do we what can we do in common that can mm-hmm. make this whole sector grow mm-hmm. and that's what what Patel did was to give a study that came out in late 2000 that described that as a strategy articulated the three re, the three real sectors of strength that we had at that time and then said you you need to do something about these you need to help organize them and you need to bring people together to make something happen Talk about the initiatives, a lot of, uh, of names that people are increasingly becoming aware of, Bio Crossroads, TechPoint, Agrinovus, generating a lot of excitement. As you think back, because you were also the CEO of Bio Crossroads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the, one of the volunteers sciences. that helped organize it. Right. right. You were there uh, at, the, uh, at the outset. Talk about Bio Crossroads and that organization and what it has meant, I, I think, um, uh, in a real sense, but also psychologically. I mean, I think there's a lot that Bio Crossroads has meant in terms of uh, raising the profile of the life sciences mm-hmm. sector uh, in the state of Indiana. Okay, so just real quickly back to the history of that. Um, at that time, 2000, 2002, um, again, this seems not long ago, the United States superiority in life sciences, pharmaceuticals, medical devices, which was not something that people took for granted in the 70s. By the, by the 90s, it was clear that we were really good at this as a country. And it was also clear that if you, if you were in the life sciences sector, pharmaceuticals, devices, diagnostics, ag biosciences is a piece mm-hmm. of that too, that those were the best jobs you could have. They Even at that time, they paid $75,000 a year. Today, they're about a hundred and a quarter. Um, they were they were just an outsized contributor to the economy, and they did cool things in the economy too because they it was the business of science. So it really brought the universities to play it. Mm-hmm. It was the full deal. And one of the things that Patel found when they did the analysis here was they said, you know, like every governor in the United States is trying to get one of these sectors, mm-hmm. and they're really expensive if you don't already have them because because it's a it's an incredibly expensive industry. You've already got one, and you're not doing anything with it. And, you know, if there's anything you should do as a region, I mean, what, what you're good at is life sciences, manufacturing logistics. This is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Manufacturing logistics, and you're promising in technology. You're not there yet, but, but you have promise. But back to the life sciences part, what you're not doing is almost criminal in that mm-hmm. because you're letting it stay unorganized. Right. You're not figuring out ways that these companies, which, by the way, don't compete with each other, so there's actually collaborations they could have around innovation, mm-hmm. starting with venture capital, starting with starting new businesses, starting with working a whole lot more smartly and better with mm-hmm. both IU and Purdue. Mm-hmm. This was before Notre Dame got into the, mm-hmm. the research business, too. Um, those are things you guys could do like right now. And so several of us in the community, uh, I had gotten very interested in, I knew nothing about life sciences. Some would say I still don't know a whole lot about the science part. <laughs> no, not true. Uh, but, but I did know something about, about deals and about collaborations and about getting people together to talk about common interests and, and, and ways that they could make two plus two equal 10. And this sector really lends itself well to that. And so a group of us, started to organize by crossroads and realized that what it ought to be is a volunteer effort that came under the umbrella of CICP. And that happened by 2002, 2003. And in the beginning, CICP really didn't quite know what to do with Biocrossroads, in, in part because one of, the, one of the demands, one of the things that all of our initiatives do, and they've done it from the very beginning, from Biocrossroads all the way on through, they convene the stakeholders of the sector and they basically say, what's missing on this landscape that you need that we could do in common? 
the answers differ a lot depending upon what the initiatives are. In some cases, it's people. In some cases, it's, it's technology. In the case of life sciences, it was investment and money and venture capital because without that, there was no ability to start new, new companies. Mm -hmm. And so that capability, which had to be part of BioCrossroads from the beginning, is very hard to fit into a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. and led to an interesting structure for BioCrossroads, which was part of CICP, but also kind of not part through its investment side, which is, which is a for-profit business. Um, once CICP figured out how to do that, mm -hmm. the other initiatives were a whole lot easier. Found a place. It, it, give us your take, David, uh, as you look at CICP today, 20 years uh, later after the, after the launch, and what CICP represents for Indianapolis and, and central Indiana, uh, an advantage yeah. from a competitive standpoint, what does CIC represent for central Indiana that other regions around the country may or may not have? There's, there really is no other organization like this anywhere. And again... Um, we are very we are we are very fortunate to have gotten to this point, and we are very fortunate to have stakeholders that we have who've taken real advantage of opportunities mm -hmm. to make this organization what it is. I wish I could say it was a twenty year plan going forward, but mm -hmm. it's been responsive to opportunity. It does mean when you have the right levels of leadership in it convened, mm -hmm. you can actually do things like this. Mm -hmm. um, what 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 the advantage is is that this is the one place anybody wanting to access this community, whether it's somebody already here looking to try to devise a talent strategy or a placemaking strategy the way 16 Tech has become, or mm -hmm. Ascend, which, which is our talent workforce initiative, which has been driven very much by our, by our members, but also mm -hmm. by state and local government and a number of other people. If you want to go to the people who can make decisions, our, the members of our board are that are that group, mm -hmm. and so that has given us just a, a, a wonderful opportunity to really be in the picture for everything going forward. If you look at our initiatives, and I'm gonna put one other concept into this quickly, a very helpful concept that Brookings actually has developed for looking at 21st century economic development, and they define it as advanced industries. And those are industries that have two characteristics in common. One is their, their employees, their workforce, has an outsized requirement to have STEM, science, mm -hmm. technology, engineering, and math literacy. More than 20% of the workforce has some kind of advanced STEM credential. And the companies make investments per capita. I think the number is $450 or $500 in R&D every year. So they're mm -hmm. about innovation. If you look at, and that takes in big companies like Rolls-Royce and, and Cummins and Lilly and all the rest, and small companies and consultancies uh, that, that, that meet that definition. Indiana has an outsized portion of those industries. The reason it matters is that in any economy, they, they represent about 10% of the employers. In ours, they're closer to 15, uh, mainly because of historical good luck of having a lot of, we're very, very good at making things, and so mm -hmm. this has been a technology-intensive area really since the early 19th century. Um, advanced industries represent about 10% of the, of the jobs but they represent almost 25% of the GDP in any given economy. 60% of the, of the exports that happen, 80% of the engineers, 85% of the patents, and 90% of corporate spending. So if you're looking for an outsized driver of your economy, well, that's it. And again, we didn't plan it this way, but if you look at Agronovus, BioCrossroads, Conexus, for advanced manufacturing and, and, and logistics, um, Energy Systems Network for clean tech and mobility, and TechPoint for tech. Those five, those five initiatives and the 50 leading advanced industries in this state, they capture, I think it's 46 or 47 of them within their membership. And so for us, like 
that's the strategy. Mm -hmm. And it really makes sense to be focusing on those sectors, although increasingly we're focusing on what those sectors should be doing more and more in common mm -hmm. uh, and how they converge. Agrinovis is a terrific example of a convergent mm -hmm. sector itself as it got formed. ESN really is along the same lines. So technology is driving these sectors closer together as well as deeper. David Johnson, the CEO of the Central Indiana Corporate uh, Partnership. David, thank you uh, for your your leadership uh, for all these years and the years going forward as well. So many important initiatives under the CICP umbrella, so important for talent, so important for the future uh, of the economy here. Thanks for all you do. And Gary, thanks for all you do. You've covered this from the very beginning and you've performed a wonderful Great. service in doing it. Thanks, David. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of Ag Plus Bio Plus Science's CICP miniseries with your host, Gary Dick of Inside Indiana Business. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. Connect with Agrinovis at agrinovisindiana.com and with Inside Indiana Business at insideindianabusiness.com. Don't forget to join us next Monday for another episode. Thank you for listening. 